Hello and welcome to Money Under Your Mattress. This is a podcast where I chat with freelancers, business owners and self-employed people on the realities of running their businesses. My wonderful guests share their honest experiences, the highs and lows and any advice they've picked up along the way. I hope the conversations give you some useful tips and that you enjoy listening. Today, I'm joined by freelance editor and writer Emma Henderson. So Emma and I played netball together at uni. Uh, So she's kindly agreed to come on and chat to us today. We are going to keep things all under the theme of money under mattress and not do too much reminiscing. So hi, Emma. Welcome. And thanks so much for joining. Hi, Jess. Thanks so much for having me on today. So let's get started with a bit about journalism, because I think it's a bit of an area that for many of us, we're not so familiar with. So I hope that you could just do an intro on journalism, explain what this world is to those of us who aren't familiar and perhaps how it's evolved. Sure. Yeah. So I guess journalism has changed a lot, even in the 10 years or so that I've been doing it. Um, The big thing there obviously is um, digital. So um, websites and everything have just obviously become so massive and even the sole platform for many publications now and print circulations are sadly continuing to decline. Um, I don't really know that many people who buy papers and obviously I know lots of journalists so that's a shame. I remember at uni um, I did English and a friend did journalism and I remember they were told by their course tutor that papers would die out in a few decades which I also always thought was so sad um, for the students who were like still yet to embark on their career. Um, Another huge issue is Budgets, I mean, they are continually shrinking and are very, very tight. I know from my own experience and lots of the people I speak to, um, which is a real shame. It obviously makes things quite difficult. And since COVID, lots of publications um, have lost huge amounts of advertising. And in lots of cases, that then means that they have to close. And that's happened at lots of magazines um like time out stopped printing a few years ago um lonely planet did as well during the pandemic loads loads and loads of smaller ones and like really well-known ones like enemy um i don't think there's actually even a single wedding magazine left anymore or even a baby magazine which is mad when you think how popular those things are um so yeah it's 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 a sad situation and I don't really know what the answer is um which I don't know it feels it feels like it's a bit of a um diminishing career I suppose to go in but also people are always going to want to read things um obviously a lot of people are worried about AI and that's why the a lot of Hollywood are on strike at the moment because they're worried about AI um taking lots of the writers jobs um well I tend not to read too much about that because I think that is a bit depressing so yeah who knows what will happen <laughs> yeah w- wait to see how that plays out and keep yourself in the space of positive news as much as you can very true <laughs> and so previously you were an employed journalist mm-hmm. so you've lived in that world but more recently you've gone freelance freelance I was hoping that you could tell us a bit more about why you decided to go self-employed, um, when you decided to go self-employed and sort of how that journey's played out. Sure, yeah. So I was um, at the company I used to work for for about eight years. I had a couple of different jobs there, but I kind of got to that middle 
middle level um, where I was an editor of a section and I basically became a bit of a middle manager and a lot of my day was taken up with admin and meetings and I didn't really write anymore which obviously was what I loved doing so wanted to do um and I thought about moving and other things um and then I was driving home one day and which I feel like is where I do a lot of my best thinking driving back to Cornwall and um I had this kind of epiphany as I like to call it that I just thought I could go freelance and I don't really know why at that time I thought it was a good idea I think if anybody had said that to me before, I would have said, absolutely not, I can't do that. Because obviously it's such a massive jump um, going from a staff job to then not knowing when you're going to get paid again. Um, and then I just I just kind of went with it and I just felt that was, that was a good thing that I could do. And um, then I read a couple of books on it before, obviously, I, I decided to leave, which helped massively. They were really really helpful um they were you're the business how to build a successful career when you strike out alone by anna codria rado i think is how you say her name and the second one is the pajama myth by um sorry the pajama myth the freelancers writers survival guide by sean mead williams um again amazing she has an amazing newsletter for freelancers about journalism jobs as well which everybody should sign up to if they're freelance um so yeah those things really helped and then I I spoke to people as well that I knew were freelance and had recently left and everybody would say you'll never regret it you'll love it it'll be amazing and obviously in the back of my mind was always this pang like what if I hate it what if I'm rubbish what if no one wants to commission me and um so yeah I just kind of I just kind of went with it and then and that's what I decided to do I think that was in the June and then I handed my notice in in the August so it wasn't I kind of got all my ducks in a row and, and went for it. And that was it. Nice. And I'll make sure that um, I get the names of those books um, written down and shared in the um, in the podcast episode notes, particularly if they're endorsed by you as a writer. So yeah. that sounds super. Thank you. I just wanted to go back to something you said around when you were first thinking of, or you had this idea of going freelance and you thought that you couldn't do it. And then you've just alluded to perhaps not knowing where, if someone wasn't going to be willing to commission you or where the work might come from what was your what was that first big worry what was the thing that was saying to you no you can't do this or going freelance is a bit crazy so I think a lot of people I know in the industry um we talk a lot about imposter syndrome and it's kind of crazy I suppose because a lot of us work for national newspapers um national magazines but yet there is still this fear that we are not good enough, we have kind of got there on some, I don't know, some way that wasn't our own merit and that we're not that good. And I don't, I don't, I hate to say it, but I think a big part of it is being a woman. I think, I really hate these kind of sexist stereotypes, but men always think that they can do everything and have all the confidence, whereas women are the overqualified ones and think, oh, I couldn't do that. So there was a big part of that, that I just thought I couldn't do it, that I didn't know enough people um but once I started thinking I want to go freelance I made a big spreadsheet started noting down lots of people that I knew even if I'd only just met them briefly on a press trip or if they were a friend of a friend or if I just vaguely knew them and I would email them and lots of people were really keen to help which was amazing um but also it was the obviously the financial side I 
would know that I would get paid on X day of the month. I knew how much I would get paid and I knew that I could pay my rent, my bills and whatever. And obviously going freelance, you don't know at all. You don't know which day you're being paid. You might send an invoice and say, I'm, you need to pay me within 30 days, but that's totally out of your control. And also then you don't know who's in accounts. It's kind of like a web nightmare of trying to, um, you know, find out who's meant to pay you. And it, you don't know if you're going to get commission. You don't know how many commissions you'll have. You don't know all of these things. And it is a huge leap of faith. But, um, yeah, I just still decided I wanted to do it. And just sticking up on this, this theme and just looking back, mm. where did your first paycheck or invoice or commission come from? Where did it come from? How did you find it? What, what was that like? Yeah, so um, my first commission was a piece that I'd written for the I newspaper and it was about um, living for a week without plastic. So I write quite a lot about single-use plastic, recycling and sustainability in that sort of um, realm. And I pitched a couple of things to somebody, the commissioning editor at the Eye, who I used to work with a couple of years ago. And she actually said, like those ideas, but for X, Y, Z reasons, we've done something recently on this or whatever, I'm not going to commission them. But I know that you write a lot about plastic, so I'd like you to write this. So that was a really great piece and that was really good fun. And then um, the first... I was actually paid for the first piece. Uh, was a different piece. I think it was it was about it was about the alternative meats to um, buy instead of turkey. Again, it was like a sustainability angle um, for a really great ethical website called Live Frankly, um, which is run by the incredibly knowledgeable Lizzie Rivera, who I'm always learning from in the sustainability world. And um, I remember being paid by by Lizzie for that piece and I'd set up a business account it's quite like Monzo so you get a notification when you were paid and I remember being um waiting for the tube and the ping came through and I got my first payment for my first freelance piece and I jumped up and down I was <laughs> so um yeah and I even now I still get really happy if I get a commission for something a publication that I really love so yeah it's funny because I, I I don't really speak to sort of anyone I know who gets that buzz or excitement when they get their paycheck you know come through at the end of the month or whenever it is but when it's when it's for yourself and it, particularly those early freelance payments it's super exciting well exciting and also a relief definitely exactly and, and I think there's always still the thought that you think oh my goodness somebody actually wants me to write for them somebody is actually going to pay me for that so yeah, it's definitely a really nice feeling. And something else I picked up on that you said, and it sounded like from where, where your early work was coming from, the importance of connections. So how do you build these connections? How do you keep in touch with people uh, for building out your pipeline of work and making sure you've got clients there? Yeah, so a lot of journalism is very small, really. I think you realise that kind of when people move on and there's only so many publications really. Um, obviously there are loads of websites, but you tend to keep in touch with the people that you do know. Um, even if it isn't really that, you know, like you're really good friends, but social media is an amazing way, obviously of keeping in touch. Um, I feel like I should use LinkedIn better, but I really struggle with it. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really, it's not a platform that I find easy to use. Whereas Instagram, I definitely do. And I, like a lot of other journalists I know have kind of made their Instagram a bit more of kind of like their work kind of platform. 
Yes. Um, so that's so easy to keep in touch with, not just journalists, but also PRs as well. Um, obviously, a lot of work that we do is with PRs. So that's connecting you to people, places, things, events, whatever. So that's really useful. And then you can also share your work on there as well. So everybody else can see your work, see what you're doing, see what you specialize in, and you can see what other people are doing, connect with people. And a lot of work that I do actually comes via Instagram messaging, which sounds a bit mad, but it does, and which is cool. And um, Twitter, obviously, is great for call-outs and stuff like that, but I don't use it as much as I probably should. But being freelance as well, I can go to way more events than I could before because obviously my time is my own um, and press trips that I might get invited on. So I keep lots of connections that way and just any kind of like journalism event that I'll go to um, I try and connect with people, even if it's just messaging them on Twitter or Instagram afterwards, just say, hi, it's nice to meet you. Like, let's stay in touch. Um, I'm also a member of the Women in Journalism, is it a charity? I'm not sure. Thing. Um, community. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, they have loads of really amazing events all throughout the pandemic. They had loads of really useful online events and there's obviously in-person events now. So they're really great for connecting to people and, um, yeah, just learning from events. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I would say they're all the main ways really that um, I keep keep them going. And also, I know it sounds. I always found this really difficult when I first started working, like asking people to go for a coffee because people will want to help and they will want to connect. And and um, yeah, people. I always used to think, why would someone want to like go for a coffee with me? Why would they want to like? take time out of their day but people do so don't be afraid to ask people you know just for a quick coffee or something like that because nine times out of ten people will say yeah yeah because people want to help and also they'll take something from it exactly on their side too so it works both ways and we've covered or talked you've talked a lot about the the connections and networking that side the event side of um starting out on your own can you share a bit about that not not I don't want to call it the boring side but the admin side of starting out on your own so Mm. how you navigated setting yourself up as a freelancer you touched on your business banking what was that piece like any tips on how you can navigate that bit smoothly yeah so I think it's difficult because I think you have to wear many many hats and it's not just the writer's hat the commissioning hat the the writing pictures hats there's also um keeping track of your invoicing and doing the invoicing and marketing yourself all of these things it's it's so multifaceted um I think probably even more than you might realize before you start freelancing um and it all takes time and I think a lot of people think oh if I do admin that that isn't I'm not actually doing my job but that's very not true it's so important I think to keep on top of your admin and to keep track of things um to to keep like to build like a healthy business that you know is going to make money and is going to continue hopefully and have you have you found any tools that are sort of changing your freelance life be that from your professional is it like your the professional side but also like the business admin side absolutely so my favorite tool is um a program called otter which lots of journalists I'm sure will know, it um, transcribes for you, which after recording an interview and then having to transcribe it yourself takes so much time. And um, 
obviously if you're on a deadline it's the best thing you do you do have to pay for it you can do it monthly it doesn't have to be rolling or you can do it as an annual subscription and it transcribes for you um not every word will be correct and you will come out with some very funny strange sentences sometimes but obviously it is a great time saver so I love that and you can go through and highlight it highlight things and whatever it's it's honestly amazing it saves hours and hours and hours so that is fantastic and I actually went back to paper diaries so for I think I stopped using them during the pandemic because what did I have to write down I mean (laughs) so um when I went freelance I got myself a little diary and I'd write down in the, the days I was booked in for shifts my deadlines and any other events I had and whatever and I'd also put them on my phone as well because, yeah, I'm this, I'm like probably causing a headache to some people because some people would absolutely hate to do both, but it works for me, hopefully. Um, so that would be really helpful. And I also have this, um, it's like a journal, and I don't know if you know Grace Beverly. She seems to be this, like, she's just an entrepreneur who does everything from these productivity journals to sportswear to I don't know she does so many things but it's it's basically just a journal and inside she splits up the pages and um, between quick ticks tasks products three non-negotiable things I'll get done today and a schedule and I obviously I could split my pages up like that in a plain diary but yeah <laughs> when somebody's just done it for you it looks so much nicer and that really helps me be accountable for three things I'm going to do that day, but also just writing things down that, and I can just tick them off. And that obviously is very satisfying. Um, so that's really helpful as well. And I just kind of like write down what I'm going to do the next day. And then I don't quite often when you're not accountable for anything else, you can just kind of dither, can't you? So I'm like, okay, I know at this part of the day, I know what I'm doing in that part of the day. And it's just, I just find it really useful yeah gives you that routine Mm, exactly so you've been freelancing now for is it nine ten months yeah since October last year okay so how is it going what have you loved what's been harder than you imagined give us an honest account of of how you're finding it yeah so every time somebody asks me I actually get terrified I'm going to jinx myself so I always kind of talk which I know is pathetic (laughs) but I guess it's so fragile the whole thing isn't it you never know what's going to happen but also I love that as well because you could email somebody and like I said earlier you could message somebody on Instagram and it could lead to like a regular thing every month and you just never know really what's around the corner and I do really love that it is quite fun um so yeah at the moment I have quite a wide variety of things I work on and they're all things that I love in some way or another so it's really nice not to feel pigeonholed um and kind of like more in control of my career and give it a bit more direction um and I can work from anywhere as well I know obviously since the pandemic that is way more viable for lots of people but I don't have to tell anybody I could be in Cornwall or Scotland where I spend a lot of time I could be anywhere in the world basically and have an internet connection and kind of do my thing which is yeah which is really cool I think a massive pull for most freelancers it's like that's their favorite thing about it but I think when it comes to trickiest things, um, balancing my time, like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of things to do. It's not just about the writing. So that can be difficult. And I guess it's also difficult to know when to say no to something because somebody might come to me and say, I'd really love you to do this, blah, blah, blah. But I've got no time left that month. So it's very difficult, I think, to say no because you never know when your next commission is coming. So you don't want to say no in case you 
then never hear from them again and you kind of sever that bridge so that's a bit difficult um but also hearing back from people so when I email a pitch or something and you never hear back it's quite disheartening but I also know it doesn't come from a bad place it's just that that person is extremely busy um obviously I've been on the other side of it as well so I can I can see it from both ways but it's yeah just obviously frustrating but what can you do yeah and that can be tricky because actually feedback is great because you want to know where you stand because it helps you improve for the pitch for the next next time around etc so um yeah that can be tricky I imagine exactly and I think you have to have a really thick skin in journalism because you very rarely would get feedback and you would very rarely really know you just kind of have to assume oh wasn't right for them at that time I'll move on and move on yeah that's the way you just have to take it I suppose and from your um your nearly first year of freelancing what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's looking to go freelance yeah so I would say um obviously I get I guess there's going to be more than one if that's okay but <laughs> that's everyone negotiates on this so more than one is fine <laughs> um I guess definitely you research first like I said about those books because you can't just jump into it and not really know what's going on because unless you have money saved you can't really afford to not have the money coming in as soon as you start really believe in yourself you just really have to because like I said earlier no one is really going to say great well done you just have to believe in it take keep going and like you'll you know by people commissioning you that you're doing well um and don't be afraid to get in touch with people randomly um like I said about Instagram or something people I think People hate their inboxes. I always hated my inbox. It was hideous. It was uh, it was just <laughs> emails, and I think people are quite happy to have a quick chat on Twitter messages or Instagram messaging or something like that, and help you. So, yeah, don't don't be afraid to do that. And I think I think it can be quite useful. And I think people will probably appreciate not having like a huge email chain and like a massive email to read through because people just do not have time. So um yeah I would say they are my pieces of advice that's good that's I like that there's three nice and concise so that's good and if I asked you to pick a song to soundtrack the last nine months of your freelancing journey Mm. what would you pick I found this very difficult I think everybody says that don't they but um I kind I stopped listening to music really which sounds a bit sad um because you just listen to podcasts now right <laughs> I to listen to um, Spotify on when I commuted to the office, but then obviously that stopped years ago. Um, so I cancelled my Spotify subscription, and I just used to listen to the radio all the time. And then um, I used to listen to embarrassingly Radio One. Now I listen to Radio Four because I feel like I'm quite old. <laughs> oh, you, you skipped the Radio Two part. <laughs> so I really loved Scott Mills. So when Scott Mills left Radio One, I was like, it's time to move on. And then I then he's on Radio Two, so. I will pick up Radio 2 at some point when Scott's on, like an old friend. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, my song. Um, yeah, I don't really listen to much music that has words in it, I realise, actually. Weirdly, I'll listen to the radio that obviously is always chatting. But I think um, Ludovico Ayonardi, I think is how you say his name, um, one of his songs, Life, there's no words to it. Um, and it's just a piece of music that I just, every time I hear it, it I feel like it actually moves something inside me. It's so incredibly emotive and there's a part where it 
it kind of builds and builds and like feels like really powerful and it just feels like very inspiring so I would just feel like whenever I hear that it really kind of inspires me so I think it would be that okay nice I'll um I'll get that the link off of that song Mm. from you so we can get that shared so everyone can have a booster when they have a listen to that one um thank you so much Emma that's been amazing and it's great to hear how things are going and and hear your side of things now I cannot let you go without unpicking some of your top tips given that your um your specialism is around travel and food and drink Mm -hmm. and sustainability um all topics that lots of our listeners you know close to the hearts of lots of our listeners so can you give us some tips we're coming out coming out of the summer where should we be going where should we be eating and drinking here's a chance for you to plug some hopefully local type places yeah so um my favorite place in scotland is on the west coast um it's actually where i got married i was meant to have a big wedding in cornwall but that was 2021 so obviously in 2020 that was meant to be so obviously you know what happened there so we cancelled the big wedding we got married on the edges of Loch Fine in scotland and it was very lovely it rained obviously um, <laughs> Uh, yeah it's such a beautiful place it's really over- overlooked it's below sky the area I go to it's yeah around Loch Fine um and it feels yeah very otherworldly it's very relaxed it's not that busy so if you can I would definitely go there there's lots of really great restaurants around there um it's one called Inver which is a green Michelin star it's really cool um lots of seafood Loch Fine oysters very famous um so yeah that's my place in in scotland oh there's actually my favorite restaurant there is there's a tiny island called gear which is just off the west coast and there's a restaurant there called the boathouse and it's right on the water it is amazing you should definitely try and get there if you can nice and then taking us down to the other end yeah, so, <laughs> Cornwall. i know couldn't be further away um <laughs> so many great places in Cornwall um I'm from viewed in the north but um there are some great places there but I think my favorite places at the moment there's three I couldn't choose between them so um there's a place called Crocodon Farm which is near St Melian um and it's run by a guy called Dan Cox who spent five years um regenerating this farm that he bought to supply the restaurant so obviously he follows lots of regenerative agriculture practices and really supports the health of the soil and the food is amazing so definitely head down there if you can he's also planning lots of other things I think there's um excuse me a bakery that has now opened since I went earlier this year they also got a green mission star just a couple of months after opening which is amazing Um, very yeah uh in St Ives there's a restaurant called the fish shed which I think opened last year overlooks a little beach it's got a little terrace it's amazing cocktails and great little fish dishes that have a little asian twist to them so i love that and then prawn on the lawn which i think most people will probably know oh uh, yes yeah. love there's one in london and there's one um in padstow and then they'd also do a pop-up called prawn on the farm which it's a fallow year this year so it's not it's not open but next year it should be and yeah, they do amazing things. Loads of great fish. And they do these amazing spiced potatoes. I don't even really like potatoes, but they are unbelievable. <laughs> game, game changing. Okay, that's amazing. I feel like um, in this episode, we've well, we've, we've covered all sorts about your journey. And we've also, I think the episode notes is going to be the longest yet because we've given people a massive to-do list of things to read, places to go, places to eat at. Um, so it sounds like lots of... Um, 
lots of homework for listeners actually after this episode <laughs> I hope they like it yeah likewise um cool okay that has been great thank you so much I'll also share um the links to your Instagram and Twitter in the notes because you've got amazing travel tips like beautiful imagery food and just generally wholesome content so if people want to get more real-time tips and tricks from you then I would suggest that they give you a follow there because it's nice content thanks Jeff you're very welcome thank you so much and uh hope everyone enjoyed the, the episode and keep a lookout for the next one which will be released shortly thanks so much thanks bye